and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. It looks like we might be having a little bit of a technical issue here, so if you would abide for a few moments, let me get to the bottom of this. Okay, I will be back to you in a moment. Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Thanks so much for joining me here today. Today we're going to have another very interesting show. I hope you feel that way and I hope you join me, in fact, on the air because this is an open mic conversation which engages uh, your thoughts as well as mine on what is going on, doggone it, with our current situation in our country. And one of the ways that is being reflected, which is through the political electoral process. Oh my, don't tell me this is a reflection of us. No, break that mirror. Smash, splinter, crash. Yes, folks, it's kind of a scary, scary realization to have that the majority of Americans are willing to abide by this bizarre, undemocratic, unethical, staring at us in the face kind of situation. And you don't have to look far to see just how unethical, inappropriate, and bizarre the current election cycle is. Now, Because we are seeking here at A Better World to educate, inspire, and empower a growing number of young and middle-aged adults, chronological chronological, uh, age doesn't matter so much around here, but when people are chronologically aged, we do expect more on an intellectual and emotional maturity level. That's true. But here, what we really care about is people's willingness to be psychologically, intellectually, and emotionally intelligent. These are subjects that those of you who listen with regularity know I am focusing on all the time, whether I'm doing a show with you directly or with my guests. This is, in one way or another, the subject matter at hand. Well, today is not different. Today, however, I am looking for us to collectively examine uh, the absence of democracy in the blurb I wrote, the absence of democracy in what is called the best democracy in the world. He... uh, Sorry, that's me. I will review the current possibilities for a potential 
stunning victory of Bernie Sanders based on a series of unusual circumstances continuing to show up in the Democratic National Committee camp. I will speak of Bernie himself and what he represents as a value system and a set of humane, eco-friendly, and sustainable priorities for humanity here and, of course, abroad. It's sort of like the moment when FDR rose to the presidency just after a major economic crash in the early 1930s and during a massive depression. This time period is very much a historical parallel. So today's discussion will be on the context of our species and planet in a profound evolutionary cycle in which humanity's heart chakra is expanding moving us into another higher spiritual sphere, all the while Donald Trump is becoming the Republican candidate for the presidency of the United States of America. So what we see is a study in contrasts. What we see is uh, an epiphany of sorts of the most sublime and the most ridiculous the fact that someone like Bernie Sanders with his value system can have reached what he has reached already and captured the imagination of the millennials, of the youth in our country as well as he has, and so many of the rest of us, it is nothing short of remarkable for a country that prides itself on its own powerful capitalistic system, here is an avowed democratic socialist, I take issue with that phrase by the way, but let's put that aside for the moment, who has uh, rivaled the front runner who is part of an aristocracy, um, a legacy, uh, an American aristocrat elitist without any question in a country that was designed not to advocate such aristocracy. I mean, isn't that, folks, what we broke away from in England? Remember, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, less than 300 years. How short the memory. A lot of what the United States was founded upon was the disenfranchisement with aristocracy and the interest in democracy, demos, meaning the people from the ancient Greek. So what has become of us? We've had two Bushes. We're on the verge of possibly another Clinton, a second Clinton. I mean, if this isn't aristocracy, Tell me what it is. These are massively wealthy families who dominate the political arena. This is not what a republic or a democracy is supposed to be about. Not at all. In fact, to the contrary. This is to be a country for and by the people. We, the people, that's right, we, not them, arist aristocrats. <clears throat> but you wouldn't really know it if you scanned the course of presidential history 
in this country. And not just starting with Bush's. It really goes back farther than that. But that, for modern history, is a, is a taste. But the main thing that I want to really kind of convey, and by the way, I, I welcome your calls if you're tuned in, and that's at uh, 602-753-1860. Uh, 602-753-1860. I kind of want to circle around the, the tent of Bernie Sanders because whether I agree or do not with his foreign policy perspectives, and in general I do not, with uh, minor exceptions here and there. For the people at home, he's more of like you call it a, uh, a domestic president, whereas Hillary is an international type of globalist president, candidate, candidates in both cases. <clears throat> One is really interested in repairing home and taking care of us, we the Americans as a step one and a step two because we have so fallen into desuetude. Our infrastructure has been so corroded. Our physical bricks and mortar infrastructure of our buildings, of our water lines, our pipes, our bridges, our tunnels, our roads, the actual physical infrastructure has decayed, has rotted, has mildewed, has become fungus, and uh, fortunately I think that part of the American soul is experiencing that process too. But as the old alchemical teachings say, as above, so below, as within, so without. So many of us wouldn't be entirely surprised by a comment such as that. But we also have a decaying infrastructure of our educational system, of our economic system, which is based on making money only. But that's only one part of an economy, and it's a highly narrowed, very restricted understanding of an economy. An economy is to help people uh, be reasonably comfortable, safe, secure, and able to sustain. It's not about buying all sorts of uh, knickknacks and tchotchkes and filling one's life up with the latest electronics equipment. That's not what an economy is really about. And being uh, a member of a society isn't also synonymous with being a consumer. It's just not the way it is. But that is what it has become due to the excesses and perversions of media and of uh, so-called capitalist society. But it's not the capitalist society that I think actually does that. I think it's people's minds. This is the issue. In fact, this is the issue with everything. We call it the structure. We say it's the ism whether it's capitalism or socialism or communism, I would argue that our society, our culture, 
is really a combination of all three. No way is it all pure capitalism. Pure capitalism doesn't exist anywhere. That way you'd have to, you know, uh, pay a fee on PayPal or with a credit card to get a fireman to come out and, you know, spray down your house when there's a fire or a policeman. You know, you know first, you know, hand them the credit card, then I'll perform the service. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. These are communal or you want to call them socialistic measures inside of what we refer to rather loosely as a capitalist society. Well, if this is a capitalist society, folks, all you free traders out there, uh, Republicans or even Libertarians, whoever you may be, why then is one of the largest companies in the world, a multi-multi-billion dollar company such as Exxon, receiving subsidies? both in the, ter- in the form of cash in hand through grant money, research and design money, and the like, but also tax subsidies, credits. Uh, it's, it's an entire science how Exxon and the other majors in the uh, fossil fuel industry, big ag, big pharma, insurance, presses and squeeze, squeezes the government. Well, when you have a business doing business with governments, that's a little bit of what we could call a socialist measure. They are squeezing and sucking the teeth of government, which means the teeth of the people. Well, what's that about? If that's not a socialist measure, I don't know what is. Just because the government doesn't necessarily fully outright own the means of production doesn't mean these are not socialist measures. And these capitalist companies, so to speak, or so they like to appear, are actually completely milking government. That means us for money. Not through the reasonable sale of goods and services, but on the other side of the fence, meaning tax dollars, and they have gone to town at our expense, both paying retail for the goods and services and again through our tax dollars is not going to serve our infrastructure. It's not going to serve our education. It's not going to serve our health care. It's not going to serve our shelter, the roof over our heads. It's going to pay down on major, the largest companies in the world. The military industrial complex, the pharmaceutical industrial complex, the media industrial complex, the security industrial complex, the military industrial complex, and as Eisenhower apparently originally said, also the congressional industrial complex. So when you look at our country through those eyes, it sort of changes. It ain't what it was said to be. Now, I have a problem with a lot of it, but I don't have a problem with all of it. I don't mind if after paying as many taxes and as much in tax as we do, we actually get something back 
I think we should be getting it all back with the skeleton crew called government making sure that we have the finest of roads, the finest of infrastructure, the finest of education and health care. I would love to see all of that in the hands of government. Yeah, absolutely. If they want to engage in modest ways, uh, private companies that want to help manage and administrate, that's fine. But it there's a trade-off. Any company dealing with the federal government, or state governments for that matter, know that they are going to be making less, a lot less, but they will have some greater measure of security, just like a government employee. They're not supposed to be getting paid top dollar. They're exchanging top dollar for lower dollar, but security. But that security cannot be guaranteed for life. That's not fair either. It's not fair to us because when people are incompetent at their job or simply lazy, why in the world should we continue to pay their bill because they're a government employee? Doesn't make sense. But since we need a government to some extent for some forms of management and administration of public services, I'm saying let these services be directly relevant to our people. And services that are relevant are the maintenance of infrastructure, the maintenance of law and order, so-called justice system, the um, maintenance of some form of militia, uh, and it doesn't have to be big because we have the skills of diplomacy in our midst. And they would also be taking care of health care to take the profit out of health care, which is an obvious disaster happening right now and has been happening for well over 100 years, well over 100 years. And uh, I said education and, and structure, buildings, housing. You know what? There could be government-subsidized all of these above. That means people want to live in a modest house or apartments. Anywhere in the country, there would be these federal or state projects, communities, I'd rather call them. And with that said, we're not going to be that fancy schmancy. We'll be basic. Food, same thing but all organic, please. Um, and they can even have some form of minor, minor stipend. So what that means is no one in our country goes homeless. No one in our country goes hungry. No one in our country goes without education. No one in our country goes without um, some form of health care. What a lousy phrase, but you know what I mean. And no one goes without some semblance of community. I also think that it should be that no one also goes without some kind of contribution to the general commons, the general public, the general good. So if you're going to be getting these services, all of which are going to be modest, but there, no one's going to go hungry, 
No one's going to be homeless. No one's going to be without an education. It's there for you. And for that, you contribute back something. You learn a skill and you do something for the community. So there's no free lunch, folks. There's uh, a lunch that doesn't cost much, but it's not free. And then next tier, you have people with, let's say, a bit of ambition. And they don't want to live in a federal apartment or a house. They want to live in a lovely house. Well, doggone it, they sure should be able to do it. And they're going to go out and they're going to get a job or start a company or start a business or whatever on their own and make it happen. And if they want insurance, medical insurance, doggone it, they can get it. If they don't want insurance but they want good uh, certain level of doctor or particular doctor, doggone it, they can go get it. No problem. If they want to eat caviar and blinis, they can go get it. They always know that there's a skeletal, modest federal, state, or local program that would provide the basics of society that a civilized society ought to be providing. To me, this is just common sense. This is government in action for the people. It doesn't restrict anybody from... Uh, Seeking to be a multi-millionaire or a multi-billionaire, go for it. And government will regulate because people need to be regulated. That's the only reason regulations need to be there, because if regulations were not there in banking, we've seen disasters from the Reagan era. We've seen disasters since the rescission of Glass-Steagall by Bill Clinton in 1998-99. We see disasters of non-regulation in the world of drugs and food and uh, agriculture. uh, You know, if we did not have something called the Clean Air Act or the Clean Water Act, we would be in trouble because that lower part of the brain, the mind allows to have free reign. Hmm, there's a little bit of a a rhyme. Yes. Uh, The lower brain, would the mind will give it free reign. And that is, in fact, what happens. Unfortunately, people do not willfully, voluntarily, that is, by will, choose the higher road. There are brilliant exceptions to that all over the place. We have to be protective of the whole from the few, and relatively speaking, it really is a few, who would seek to take everything for themselves and find every possible loophole and get away with toxins in our food, our air, our water, uh, poisons, mercury, giving bad medicine, toss caution to the winds, for the sake of a buck. And this is a problem. And these are people who need to be rehabilitated. They should be in one form or another of a retreat center for rehabilitation because their mind isn't instructing their brain properly and their brain is feeding back to them the the lower functions of survival instead of thrival. And thrival means everyone's in on it Everyone benefits. Win, win, win. 
You with me? That's the way it really can go. That's the way it really can go. So I'm going to circle back to uh, I'm going to circle back to Boini, Boini Sanders. That's right, from Brooklyn, right here in New York. And I see uh, someone has called in, and I will get to that person in just one moment. I just want to say, I'll, I'll lay this out. Question, can Bernie Sanders snatch, win, be victorious of the Democratic nomination? Your thoughts? Let me ask this person who has called in. Hello, who am I speaking with? Hello, are you there? Are you on the line? Or did you disappear? Okay, it sounds like you did not have in mind speaking, but you did want to listen. So one, two, three. That's fine. No problem. I will continue on with the monologue. Someone else wants to call in and share their views. I welcome it. So, continuing on, can Bernie Sanders win? Is that not the million-dollar question on the table, folks? You betcha. (laughs) Can you identify what former vice presidential candidate used to say that? If so, you win a, well, I don't know yet. I don't know what the prize will be, but it'll be something. Oh, I know. It'll be Bernie Sanders for president. Yes. Okay, so look, let me lay a holistic perspective on what I think is possible here. Number one, let's understand from the point of view of quantum physics that anything can happen anytime. The world is energy and energy is mutable. Everything is plastic. Well, wait a minute, neuroplastic. And so things are always mutable and changeable. That's just the very nature of the universe. The Chinese said it so well when they said, the only constant is change itself. Okay, so once we have that as the true bedrock of the nature of living life, biology, and reality, we can move forward. Okay, I know that sounds rather absolutist and uh, with great macro perspective. Yeah, it's true. It is a macro perspective. However, We want to see that so we can get the micro. The micro is that we have a bunch of rules and regulations that unfortunately are being broken all of the time, and favoritism and bias and all sorts of different levels of prejudice are being enacted, uh, i.e. constantly. Yep, constantly. And we have to be aware of that. Very little of it uh, hits the media And so it appears to be one thing when it's actually quite radically a different thing. It appears that we have democracy, but please show me. Where's the democracy? When you have a closed caucus or a closed primary that taxpayers are paying for the entire mechanics of, but they're blocked out of voting because of a party affiliation There's nothing democratic in that process. They paid for the primary. They can vote in the primary. Voting is one tiny, tiny piece of democracy, but it's made to be the mighty piece of democracy in our country. It's an optical illusion. Make no mistake about it. 
it's set up that way, propagandized that way, to give people the feeling that their vote is so important. Well, I wouldn't say it's not important at all, but it's hovering near the not-so-important level. At this point in time, it's probably more important than in the actual general election because the general election, popular vote, does not determine the presidency. And we don't have to go back very far at all to see the truth of that. Uh, It may have even occurred with um, John Kerry, but let's turn the clock back to the most obvious example of it in recent history, of course, was Al Gore. He won the popular vote by a margin, and I would definitely argue that he won the electoral vote as well. But being the forces that there were of power at the time, being the inside job, that could have been the name of uh, what happened in the 2000 election too with Jeb Bush in Florida, uh, Catherine Harris as Secretary of State. It's an inside job that completely commandeered those votes, got so many black people off the, uh, the, the voting lists, all of the uh, felons. Well, it's a long, long story that's best described by Greg Palast in The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. I haven't come across a work that more thoroughly details the facts on paper He's an investigative reporter in the old school and has proof positive on Jeb Bush letterhead that he was asking Catherine Harris to basically monkey, I use that word, he didn't, with the voting rolls so that they were skewed in the direction of his brother his next of kin. Well, is that democratic or what? As Greg Palace said, the best democracy money can buy. And boy, was it bought. So turning back to Bernie Sanders, we have a glaring example of a board of elections in New York City, which Eric Schneiderman himself said, Attorney General, is a, a disaster, a disaster, dastardly embarrassment of democracy, that they're incompetent, they've been incompetent for well over a decade, and in in effect should be disbanded and replaced. It is not working, and they excluded some, how many votes was it, I'm sorry, I've forgotten if it's 62,000 or 162,000 from voters who would have voted and because most independent voters vote for Bernie, he would have won New York handily, hands down. Not Trump's hands, but hands down. So, that got lost. Nevada, another travesty of justice. Another one. Some have said even... uh, in some other Middle Eastern, uh, Middle Eastern, <laughs> that was funny, uh, Midwestern states, uh, there was some horsing around as well, and I wouldn't be surprised. Well, uh, Debbie Wasserman, the president, uh, the, the head of the, I mean, the chairman of the Democratic National 
committee has, at least I saw in one interesting article, admitted publicly on CNN that everything was skewed and rigged toward Hillary. Now, I cannot verify that. I want you to know that. I cannot verify that. It was an article that I did find on Facebook. It was purportedly happening in a CNN interview, but I have not found it independently. So I'm just marshalling my words. But if it were true, all she would be doing is verifying what we already know. So with that said, um, I'm just so sorry that Governor Jerry Brown, who I have met at his home in Oakland, would turn to Hillary. I'm just so sad. So sad that he did that. Um, anyhow, let's just take a look at uh, some interesting demographics here that shows that. Uh, here, what do we have? This? Um, we have uh, Bernie Sanders leading, leading Trump rather profoundly. Looks like Clinton may be gaining a little bit on Trump, which is interesting for this time period. However, when we look at when we look at uh, Sanders, it's by a much, much greater margin. And I have since oh, here we go, here we go. Yes, okay, it's coming up, folks. Meanwhile, let me uh, remind you, you are listening to A Better World, Mitchell J. Rabin. We are on every Wednesday evening on Blog Talk Radio at 6 p.m. So, uh, oh boy. Uh, I invite you to become part of our A Better World community. We have a free newsletter at www.com. Abetterworld.tv, Abetterworld.tv, yes. So if Hillary is a wee in front of Trump in this last uh, in this last accounting by uh, what is this? 270towin.com. So y'all can go take a look yourself. She's 244 and Trump 145. But if we turn the clock a wee little bit, we see that Sanders is at 311 and Trump at 128 across the country. Now that is a significant difference and much greater margin than Hillary has over Trump. And there are some polls that show that Trump is beating Hillary. There's no one that shows, no poll that shows uh, Trump beating Sanders. So these are important points. If Democrats are truly serious about defeating Trump at all costs, uh, Trump never, what is the phrase, you know, uh, then on paper, rationally and mathematically, Bernie Sanders 
is by far the candidate to select. So what's all the hubbub? What's all the fuss? Bernie is standing up for the people. Hillary simply mocks Bernie. But Bernie trumps Hillary. Ho, ho, ho. Sorry about that. But Sanders, in fact, has the leading edge on all the policies that Hillary is seeking to engage. And you can see in her face and her body how uncomfortable she is. Every tiny centimeter that she has to move a little bit toward what is called the left. No, it's toward common sense. It's toward humanity. And so, when I said tonight's show is about a holistic perspective, I'm talking about also us. We, the people. What does this mean, what's going on now? What it means, folks, is that when you look at humanity and the planet from an evolutionary perspective, we're becoming more and more one. We are recognizing the sameness, the similarity, the oneness, what we have in common more than what separates us. In fact, what separates us is largely cultural and also, of course, belief system and sometimes ideology. But a lot of that is actually very biodiverse and very beautiful. Not if one person wants to take another's life because they don't agree on a subject, but rather in appreciating the different colors and the flavors and the tastes and the rhythms and paces of another's culture. That, like flowers in the garden, need to be celebrated, appreciated. It's different fragrances. It's what makes the world turn. Different expressions of love. And so, when we look at what's going on and what Bernie Sanders and Jill Stein represent, we see a world of diversity and of embrace, of taking care of one another, not further divisiveness. And it's not naive. It's just recognizing boundary, recognizing similarity and commonality, and working for the general commonality and good of all. Isn't that a fundamental principle of our Constitution and of our country and its vision? It is. But it's not a country based on hate and division and divisiveness. Yet, that's what the other candidates, including the other Democratic candidate, virtually preach. Oh, not without exception, not without some exception. But in comparison to Bernie Sanders, it is dramatic, truly dramatic. Now, another point I want to make here is that even though the cards are so stacked up, formally and officially speaking against Bernie, well, it's behind the scenes, but it's by the status quo, still in all, he is gaining everywhere. You won't see it on TV, folks, because they don't want to show it. Because he represents a radical departure from what has been business as usual of the wealthy calling the shots. Now, I have nothing against wealth. I rather love wealth. I think it's fantastic. 
when it's done for the good of the people, when it's activated and energized and utilized for the good of the people and the planet. Wealth is a beautiful thing, but not when it's reserved just for the few and their buddy-buddy and this at the expense of everybody else, because that is obviously what's been happening for a long, long time and continues to, which is why the Occupy movement kicked up. That is why the, uh, the uh, Arab Spring kicked up. That's why Bernie Sanders is so popular. People hear it with their hearts, not just their ears. They hear the authenticity and what he has to say. And you cannot find that authenticity anywhere else on the platform because it's not there and people know it and people are afraid of it and people are challenged by it and people are afraid of paying more taxes and that's what they think he's saying but he's really talking about more than anything a redistribution and it may look like a little bit more is taken from here but it's actually being given back there more than what was taken and I have a feeling that if he really had his way, he would take that military budget, and I sure wish he would, and cut it in at least half. Probably maintain one quarter, one third to one quarter of it, and it's still far, far beyond the next military uh, buildup in this world, which is China, which is dwarfed by our current. Even if we were at one quarter, we'd be at least double or triple the size of Chinese military expenditures. So it's just insane. It's completely top-heavy. It's completely unnecessary. It's completely bought and paid for politics, business as usual, which Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton will be seeking to maintain. But we're at a changing point, my friends, on our planet. That's the point. That's the larger holistic evolutionary perspective I'm seeing, seeking to bring forward here. That if you want to be aligned with the larger cycle, the larger movement of things, the larger turn of the wheel, it's time for government to serve people it's time to get off the war track. It's time to end the corruption. It's time to have the banking system and economy serve the people. And time to move into a renewable energy-based economy. As my show last week with economist and futurist Hazel Henderson clearly and explicitly outlined was the future. It will be the future. So we can either meet it with open arms or we can drag our heels. But it is going to happen, folks. So get with it. And why not bring it on with a level of elegance and excitement? And as people such as Van Jones has been saying in his green-collar economy and so much of what he speaks of also in the Pachamama Alliance, videos that you've heard me speak about here on A Better World as well, we would have millions of new, skilled, technical jobs installing solar panels, 
putting up uh, wind turbines and on and on. You don't want to just put in more miners. You just don't want to have more holes drilled and precious Mother Earth. I mean, can't it be seen so just simply visually, aesthetically, what's good for people, what's good for life, what's good for biology, what's good for the ecosystem? It's as clear as day, my friends. And the irony of it all, the real kick in the pants, is that it's a whole lot more profitable. But it's a win-win. It's a win-win. But the kind of modification we're talking about, the kind of revolution we're talking about, is really an evolution. And it's an evolution of consciousness. It's taking us and our song and dance and upping the ante, moving us into the cerebral cortex, the prefrontal lobes, and giving us that sweet taste of brotherhood and sisterhood. Oh boy, folks, this is where he goes on to becoming a hippie again. Yeah, right. Well, you know what? That sense of brotherhood and sisterhood is one of the sweetest experiences and tastes in life you'll ever have. The sense of connectedness of oneness, of meaningfulness, of team playing is so exquisite, you'd say to yourself, why have I lived my life so far away from this vibration, from this frequency, from this energy field? I have felt all alone. I have felt so separate. I have felt closeted. But now... I'm I'm aligned with people. I'm aligned with sentient life. I'm aligned with life itself. I'm aligned with the sacred. And that's where we're going. And as the Buddhist teachings say, generosity is the stairway to heaven. It is the stairway to liberation. Interesting idea. Generosity of heart, of spirit, of, of, of things, gifts, food, whatever. Interesting. And that's, of course, what Bernie is saying. We've got the money. Let's use it well for the sake of everyone. That's the game being played. Because there are cracks in everything, there's no solid, solid fortress or facade, the emperor doesn't really wear any clothes, it's very obvious to one and all now. Uh, It's sort of like trying to stop the flow of water. Can't do it. It'll seep through your fingers. So, what to do? Realize that even though it appears that Hillary is only a hundred delegates away, well, you know what? That may be true. But if she wins the delegates and she wins an indictment or people can't stand her and don't trust her and then the only person on the platform of any any, uh, position is Trump, God forbid, and Gary Johnson of the Libertarian Party, 
and Dr. Jill Stein of the Green Party are simply not given enough media attention to become true national presidential figures, which they both deserve, what are we going to do? Bernie is the next of kin. And if we can get him to the convention, which would be what's called a contended, contested, brokered convention, and he gets a lot of his followers there, inside and out, wow. The rationale, by looking at the updated polls, and the way the polls have been all along, that state just explicitly that Bernie beats Trump soundly. Trump doesn't want to debate Bernie because he will be trumped. He will lose in, on national TV. And as usual, as the wise guy he is, he said, oh, yeah, I'll debate Bernie in a flash. Well, guess what? His handlers killed that one in about a day because they know he'll get mopped up by Bernie, burned by Bernie. It's not going to look good at all. And now he's coming up with a story he wants to deal only with the, the top runner. Oh, come on, come on. And he will. I think he will trounce Hillary in a millisecond. I don't think she can stand up to his negative energy field. He's got a powerful field. And it's all it's bullying the schoolyard. And it's not easy to deal with. You know, I'm no fan of any of those Republican candidates. Uh you know, Kasich possibly and Rand Paul slightly being a little better than the rest of them. But, uh, you know, some of them are real gentlemen. You know, they have some level of of courtesy, respectability, and civility. But not Donald Trump. And he's just, the bully will win if people let the bully win. And they have power. They do. They have a level of power. And we all know it. And that, I think, is what's being trotted out, or should I say, trumped out on the national stage in the national media. But when you get a real mensch like Bernie, none of that matters. His inner sense of congruence is so great. The power of his conviction, so real and authentic, that a bulldozer can't knock him down. Not even one named Donald Trump. And Bernie, in his heart, knows it. He's not intimidated at all. Turn the page. Look at Hillary Clinton. Hillary is exasperated by Trump and by Bernie. I mean, she's trying every single thing to get Bernie to quit. He, they, they started floating out a rumor about him being her VP, that would be a disaster. He would not want to accord with anything she's doing, and she's not going to want to listen to him if she's got her corporate masters to to comply with. It's not a good idea. And Bernie, I don't think would put up with it. For he wouldn't. He would never accept it. It's a joke. 
It's just trying to buy off your antagonist, your adversary in this case, and it really is. It's not easy. This is not an easy situation. But as I said, from the larger evolutionary and holistic perspective that we are moving in as a planet and a sentient life form into another orbit, another evolutionary stage, you know, from the caterpillar to the butterfly, as is so often quoted. We can't revert. We cannot regress. We've got to go forward. It's imperative. And that, my friends, is what I'm suggesting Bernie Sanders on the political level represents. It's this notion of going forward to a more cooperative, to a more generous, to a more unified, to a more uh, humane, environmentally sensitive, eco-friendly, and sustainable, renewable energy-based society and culture here among we humans on planet Earth. So, from that perspective alone, let alone the fact that we're dealing with war hawks, confused individuals with, with uh, deep debt to corporate America on the side of Hillary, of a uh, war hawk mentality with a proven track record, with ethics violations and down the wazoo, however you look at it. The differences between the candidates candidates is profound if you want to be regressive if you want to be scare fear based if you want to say well he can't win and she's more qualified for what for waging more war i would agree with that she is more qualified for that but for running a country with heart and mind and clarity and a sense of justice and balance of the elements, oh, please, been at it. Who's been at it? You know the answer to that. You know the answer. It's a very interesting thing I came across. I wanted to uh, share with you. But in the meantime, if anybody would want to call in at 602-753-1860, 602-753-1860, certainly feel free to do so. 60,000 people attend Bernie's rally in Oakland. Did you see that on CNN? I didn't either. I don't know why. How did we miss it? Maybe we walked out of the room when they were showing it. Hillary Clinton calls for more ground troops as part of hawkish ISIS strategy. Wow, that sounds good. Yeah, go get them, Hill. You know, And she rides on the back of a really, really rather ugly history here in the United States of America, which suggests this. Interesting. David Wolf posted this. America has been at war 222 out of 239 years since 1776. Let that sink in for a moment. 222 of 239 years at war, a killing machine. All, of course, with the name democracy. We're killing in the name of democracy. 
we're invading in the name of democracy. Don't you forget it. There's nothing corporate about it. This is all based on humane values, liberty, and justice for all folks. Yes, of course, of course. So this is what we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing with. Listen, I want to just uh, say that I feel I made my points. I feel that there is a lot of hope if people are willing and daring enough, adventurous enough to push forward the idea that Bernie can win. And that can be done through letters written to your respective congresspeople, to the president himself, who actually can tip the scales on the release of the FBI uh, report, who many say is actually an indictment. There is a powerful indictment in many ways, uh, figurative, not as so literal, of the Clinton Foundation, in which Hillary plays a major part uh, on uh, Gary Knowles' uh, radio show. He interviewed a financial analyst uh, from Wall Street named Charles Ortel, O-R-T-E-L. You can go to charlesortel.com. And he has done a rather exhaustive analysis of the Clinton Foundation and what's known and what's secret and what's supposed and what can be surmised reasonably. And it is so not pretty. It is so riddled with questions of ethics and law. And Hillary was sitting right smack in the middle. So, you know, it goes back and back and back. And I'm not looking just to paint somebody with a with a black brush and black paint. No, 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 no. This is a long time history. And, you know, as we live, we learn how to read, don't we? Don't we learn how to read eyes and words and postures and facial expressions and eye movements? Don't we learn that as we grow older and have a little bit more seasoned experience of humans that are oftentimes rather rather contrite or deceptive or delusional. We learn how to read. Read Bernie. Read Hillary. Read Donald. Read Jill Stein. Read Gary Johnson. And tell me what you see. Tell yourself what you see. I think you'll end up with an answer. Don't just stay on the superficial level of the mind and words at face value. That'll get you nowhere. Nowhere. Because all of these words are walked back, as they say. They are rescinded, except for Bernie's. They will not stick to the bone. They will not. They will be all taken back in the face of circumstances and conditions once one becomes president. In the case of Donald Trump, even if he wanted to do a couple of good things, um, which I think he has the potential to do, interestingly enough, despite his racism and remarks and his reality TV show mentality. Um, and I don't mean building a wall. I don't think he would walk that back in an instant. Sorry, folks, I was kidding. It's a ridiculous plan. <laughs> Anyway, 
when you really look into the heart and soul of these people, you know what you'll see. You know who will come up good and who should be washed up on the shore. So just trust that what you see and sense has merit, that Bernie can really come through if people stay visionary and people have the courage of their conviction to see this through. Magic happens. Look, we don't have to turn the clock back very far. 2008, the presumptive nominee is Hillary Clinton, right? Eh, wrong. For all that time, the presumption was just that. Who is this guy, this junior senator, the black guy on top of it, little skinny kid with no political experience, just community organizing, and let's get honest about it. He had no senatorial experience. What, what, one year or two? That's a joke. He's a kid. But he captured the imagination of the American people and the presumptive candidate for the Democratic Party lost. And I say, there is a pattern here, folks. And the same thing can happen again. And everybody was rooting for Hillary of the Democratic National Committee back then, too. I have a feeling that it's more severe now than it was then. They learned their skills of defrauding the American people better, and they're employing what they've learned back in 2008 here more rigorously. But there are so many slips from the cup to the lip, and that's the kind of thing we want to continue to bear in mind, that Bernie can win. And if we keep saying that, and keep acting along that line, and keep generating that energy, and encourage others to stand behind this vision of an America that really works for everybody. And let me tell you how, by the way, he can make it work, even with a recalcitrant Congress, even with a Republican Congress. I'll tell you how. He, unlike anybody else, is calling for a participatory democracy. Something, by the way, here at A Better World I've been calling for for years, and I had for the longest time a link on the homepage of betterworld.tv called Participatory Democracy, and it outlined how to participate in very real, simple language. There are ways to participate, and all politicians will tell you that when the people speak up loudly and strongly and persistently, all those words are important. The senator or congressperson, the elected official will listen and does listen even more to their corporate uh, sponsors. Even more. Because the deal is really made, ultimately, not the corporations. And the corporations are not people. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. Okay. The people can commandeer and steer this country 
as the people want. And this is a hard one because it doesn't appear that that's the case. But we have proof that it is. Now, we have a couple of recalcitrant, uh, you know, uh, candidates over the years and presidents. And G.W. Bush, with Cheney commandeering him, was one of the greatest offenders of the principle of democracy. And that is uh, the majority of people in the country and the world stood up and said no to Iraq. And he defied us. And he should be sued for it. And he went to war anyway. Now, in reality, that is a little bit of an exception when you get so many people speaking out against something. But it does happen. Let's not be naive. However, the odds can dramatically change with our loud, persistent participation. And Bernie is saying, if you do that, when you do that, things will go in our direction. That is the people's direction. So, I know it doesn't look good. I know it looks like, you know, a slippery slope. It is. It is, clearly. And depending on how much corruption and how much they get away with and how few prosecutions there will be, which will probably be none, it will continue in this direction and it will be Hillary and she will lose to Trump, most likely. Very much most likely. She doesn't stand a chance against him. Bernie is a mensch and Trump doesn't stand a chance against a mensch. So on that note, I want to just remind you that this is all part of a larger evolutionary cycle and Bernie represents, symbolizes the upswing of that cycle. We have to work on Bernie because there are some corporatist aspects of him when it comes especially to uh, foreign policy that I, I don't know why he's not getting it or I, I just don't get it, like his Saudi Arabia thing. It doesn't make sense. It just It's too warmongering, if, even for Bernie. It just doesn't make sense. It's sort of old world in a way that the rest of his consciousness isn't aligned to. But, ah, so it's an education. We all need one or two. So I want to just say thank you again for listening in today. I'm at uh, mjr at abetterworld.net. I love getting emails from you, uh, your experiences of the shows, recommendations you'd like to make, um, your appreciation of the shows. We also appreciate donations. Uh, they're really contributions or investments in creating a better world and keeping me on the air, interviewing the wonderful people that are populating our world, the unsung heroes of society. Please join me. Be part of the solution. We have a lot to do, folks. And you can make that donation online at www.abetterworld.net or betterworld.tv, either one, actually. And, uh, you know, anywhere from a dollar to a thousand or ten thousand. It's, it's all so welcome and helps me do what I do. I also need interns, so please know video interns, social media intern, 
marketing intern and administration right here in the Big Apple, preferably here in this geographical location, but not necessarily. So wherever you may be, I know people listen to this show across the United States and across different parts of the world, which really pleases me. And please go to our radio archive and and go through it. You'll see some really interesting things on neuroscience and spirituality and consciousness and on the environment and building a sustainable economy and healing of all sorts and wellness and nutrition, on diet, on all sorts of things where it can heal and help and and inspire and educate and empower. So on that note, thank you again. It's such a pleasure, really, to be with you all. And I look forward to seeing you all.